Section 23 of Personal Memoirs of U.S. Grant. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim Clevenger. Personal Memoirs of U.S. Grant by Ulysses S. Grant. Chapter 23 promoted major general of volunteers unoccupied territory advance upon nashville situation of the troops confederate retreat relieved of the command restored to the command general smith the news of the fall of fort donelson caused great delight all over the north at the south particularly in richmond the effect was correspondingly depressing i was promptly promoted to the grade of major general of volunteers and confirmed by the senate all three of my division commanders were promoted to the same grade and the colonels who commanded brigades were made brigadier generals in the volunteer service my chief who was in st louis telegraphed his congratulations to general hunter in kansas for the services he had rendered in securing the fall of fort donelson by sending reinforcements so rapidly to washington he telegraphed that the victory was due to general c f smith promote him he said and the whole country will applaud on the 19th there was published at St. Louis a formal order thanking Flag Officer Foote and myself and the forces under our command for the victories on the Tennessee and the Cumberland. I received no other recognition whatever from General Halleck. But General Cullum, his chief of staff, who was at Cairo, wrote me a warm congratulatory letter on his own behalf. I approved of General Smith's promotion highly, as I did all the promotions that were made. My opinion was, and still is, that immediately after the fall of Fort Donelson, the way was opened to the national forces all over the southwest without much resistance. If one general, who would have taken the responsibility had been in command of all the troops west of the Alleghanies, he could have marched to Chattanooga, Corinth, Memphis, and Vicksburg with the troops we then had, and, as volunteering was going on rapidly over the north, there would soon have been force enough at all these centers to operate offensively against any body of the enemy that might be found near them rapid movements and the acquisition of rebellious territory would have prompted volunteering so that reinforcements could have been had as fast as transportation could have been obtained to carry them to their destination on the other hand there were tens of thousands of strong able-bodied young men still at their homes in the southwestern states who had not gone into the confederate army in february eighteen sixty two and who had no particular desire to go 
if our lines had been extended to protect their homes many of them never would have gone providence ruled differently time was given the enemy to collect armies and fortify his new positions and twice afterwards he came near forcing his northwestern front up to the ohio river i promptly informed the department commander of our success at fort donelson and that the way was open now to clarksville and nashville and that unless i received orders to the contrary i should take clarksville on the twenty first and nashville about the first of march both these places are on the cumberland river above fort donelson as i heard nothing from headquarters on the subject general c f smith was sent to clarksville at the time designated and found the place evacuated the capture of forts henry and donelson had broken the line the enemy had taken from columbus to bowling green and it was known that he was falling back from the eastern point of this line and that buell was following or at least advancing i should have sent troops to nashville at the time i sent to clarksville but my transportation was limited and there were many prisoners to be forwarded north none of the reinforcements from buell's army arrived until the twenty fourth of february then general nelson came up with orders to report to me with two brigades he having sent one brigade to cairo i knew general buell was advancing on nashville from the north and i was advised by scouts that the rebels were leaving that place and trying to get out all the supplies they could nashville was at that time one of the best provisioned posts in the south i had no use for reinforcements now and thinking buell would like to have his troops again i ordered nelson to proceed to nashville without debarking at fort donelson i sent a gunboat also as a convoy the cumberland river was very high at the time the railroad bridge at nashville had been burned and all river craft had been destroyed or would be before the enemy left nashville is on the west bank of the cumberland and buell was approaching from the east i thought the steamers carrying nelson's division would be useful in ferrying the balance of buell's forces across i ordered nelson to put himself in communication with buell as soon as possible and if he found him more than two days off from nashville to return below the city and await orders buell however had already arrived in person at edgefield opposite nashville and mitchell's division of his command reached there the same day nelson immediately took possession of the city after nelson had gone and before i had learned of buell's arrival i sent word to department headquarters that i should go to nashville myself on the twenty eighth if i received no orders to the contrary hearing nothing i went as i had informed my superior officer i would do on arriving at clarksville i saw a fleet of steamers at the shore the same that had taken nelson's division and troops going aboard 
I landed and called on the commanding officer, General C.F. Smith. As soon as he saw me, he showed an order he had just received from Buell in these words. Nashville, February 25, 1862. General C.F. Smith, commanding, U.S. Forces, Clarksville. General, the landing of a portion of our troops, contrary to my intentions, on the south side of the river has compelled me to hold this side at every hazard if the enemy should assume the offensive and i am assured by reliable persons that in view of my position such is his intention my force present is altogether inadequate consisting of only fifteen thousand men I have to request you, therefore, to come forward with all the available force under your command. So important do I consider the occasion, that I think it necessary to give this communication all the force of orders, and I send four boats, the Diana, Woodford, John Rain, and Autocrat, to bring you up. In five or six days my force will probably be sufficient to relieve you. Very respectfully, your obedient servant, D.C. Buell, Brigadier General, Commanding. P.S. Steamers will leave here at twelve o'clock tonight. General Smith said this order was nonsense, but I told him it was better to obey it. The general replied, of course I must obey, and said his men were embarking as fast as they could. I went on up to Nashville and inspected the position taken by Nelson's troops. I did not see Buell during the day, and wrote him a note saying that I had been in Nashville since early morning, and had hoped to meet him. On my return to the boat we met. His troops were still east of the river, and the steamers that had carried Nelson's division up were mostly at Clarksville to bring Smith's division. I said to General Buell my information was that the enemy was retreating as fast as possible. General Buell said there was fighting going on then only ten or twelve miles away. I said, quite probably, Nashville contained valuable stores of arms, ammunition, and provisions, and the enemy is probably trying to carry away all he can. The fighting is doubtless with the rear guard who are trying to protect the trains they are getting away with. Buell spoke very positively of the danger Nashville was in of an attack from the enemy. I said, in the absence of positive information, I believed my information was correct. He responded that he knew. Well, I said, I do not know. But as I came by Clarksville, General Smith's troops were embarking to join you. Smith's troops were returned the same day. The enemy were trying to get away from Nashville and not to return to it. At this time, General Albert Sidney Johnston commanded all the Confederate troops west of the Allegheny Mountains, with the exception of those in the extreme south. On the national side, the forces confronting him were divided into, at first three, then four, separate departments. Johnston had greatly the advantage in having supreme command over all troops that could possibly be brought to bear upon one point. 
while the forces similarly situated on the national side divided into independent commands could not be brought into harmonious action except by orders from washington at the beginning of eighteen sixty two johnston's troops east of the mississippi occupied a line extending from columbus on his left to mill springs on his right as we have seen columbus both banks of the tennessee river the west bank of the cumberland and bowling green all were strongly fortified mill springs was entrenched the national troops occupied no territory south of the ohio except three small garrisons along its bank and a force thrown out from louisville to confront that at bowling green johnston's strength was no doubt numerically inferior to that of the national troops but this was compensated for by the advantage of being sole commander of all the confederate forces at the west and of operating in a country where his friends would take care of his rear without any detail of soldiers but when general george h thomas moved upon the enemy at mill springs and totally routed him inflicting a loss of some three hundred killed and wounded and forts henry and hyman fell into the hands of the national forces with their armaments and about one hundred prisoners those losses seemed to dishearten the confederate commander so much that he immediately commenced a retreat from bowling green on nashville he reached this latter place on the fourteenth of february while donelson was still besieged buell followed with a portion of the army of the ohio but he had to march and did not reach the east bank of the cumberland opposite nashville until the twenty-fourth of the month and then with only one division of his army the bridge at nashville had been destroyed and all boats removed or disabled so that a small garrison could have held the place against any national troops that could have been brought against it within ten days after the arrival of the force from bowling green johnston seemed to lie quietly at nashville to await the result at fort donelson on which he had staked the possession of most of the territory embraced in the states of kentucky and tennessee it is true the two generals senior in rank at fort donelson were sending him encouraging dispatches even claiming great confederate victories up to the night of the sixteenth when they must have been preparing for their individual escape johnston made a fatal mistake in entrusting so important a command to floyd who he must have known was no soldier even if he possessed the elements of one pillow's presence as second was also a mistake if these officers had been forced upon him and designated for that particular command then he should have left nashville with a small garrison under a trusty officer and with the remainder of his force gone to donelson himself if he had been captured the result could not have been worse than it was johnston's heart failed him upon the first advance of national troops he wrote to richmond on the eighth of february 
I think the gunboats of the enemy will probably take Fort Donelson without the necessity of employing their land force in cooperation. After the fall of that place, he abandoned Nashville and Chattanooga without an effort to save either and fell back into northern Mississippi where, six weeks later, he was destined to end his career. From the time of leaving Cairo, I was singularly unfortunate in not receiving dispatches from General Halleck. The order of the 10th of February directing me to fortify Fort Henry strongly, particularly to the land side, and saying that entrenching tools had been sent for that purpose, reached me after Donaldson was invested. I received nothing direct which indicated that the department commander knew we were in possession of Donaldson. I was reporting regularly to the chief of staff, who had been sent to Cairo soon after the troops left there, to receive all reports from the front and to telegraph the substance to the St. Louis headquarters. Cairo was at the southern end of the telegraph wire. Another line was started at once from Cairo to Paducah and Smithland, at the mouths of the Tennessee and Cumberland, respectively. My dispatches were all sent to Cairo by boat, but many of those addressed to me were sent to the operator at the end of the advancing wire, and he failed to forward them. This operator afterwards proved to be a rebel. He deserted his post after a short time and went south, taking his dispatches with him. A telegram from General McClellan to me of February 16th, the day of the surrender, directing me to report in full the situation was not received at my headquarters until the 3rd of March. On the 2nd of March, I received orders dated March 1st to move my command back to Fort Henry, leaving only a small garrison at Donelson, from Fort Henry, expeditions were to be sent against Eastport, Mississippi, and Paris, Tennessee. We started from Donaldson on the 4th, and the same day I was back on the Tennessee River. On March 4th, I also received the following dispatch from General Halleck. Major General U.S. Grant, Fort Henry you will place Major General C.F. Smith in command of expedition and remain yourself at Fort Henry. Why do you not obey my orders to report strength and positions of your command? H.W. Halleck, Major General. I was surprised. This was the first intimation I had received that General Halleck had called for information as to the strength of my command. On the 6th, he wrote to me again, You're going to Nashville without authority, and when your presence with your troops was of the utmost importance, was a matter of very serious complaint at Washington, so much so that I was advised to arrest you on your return. This was the first I knew of his objecting to my going to Nashville, that place was not beyond the limits of my command, which, it had been expressly declared in orders, were not defined. Nashville is west of the Cumberland River, 
and I had sent troops that had reported to me for duty to occupy the place. I turned over the command as directed, and then replied to General Halleck courteously, but asked to be relieved from further duty under him. Later, I learned that General Halleck had been calling lustily for more troops, promising that he would do something important if he could only be sufficiently reinforced. McClellan asked him what force he then had. Halleck telegraphed me to supply the information so far as my command was concerned, but I received none of his dispatches. At last, Halleck reported to Washington that he had repeatedly ordered me to give the strength of my force, but could get nothing out of me, that I had gone to Nashville beyond the limits of my command without his authority, and that my army was more demoralized by victory than the army at Bull Run had been by defeat. General McClellan, on this information, ordered that I should be relieved from duty, and that an investigation should be made into any charges against me. He even authorized my arrest. Thus, in less than two weeks, after the victory at Donelson, the two leading generals in the army were in correspondence as to what disposition should be made of me, and in less than three weeks I was virtually in arrest and without a command. On the 13th of March, I was restored to command, and on the 17th Halleck sent me a copy of an order from the War Department which stated that accounts of my misbehavior had reached Washington and directed him to investigate and report the facts. He forwarded also a copy of a detailed dispatch from himself to Washington entirely exonerating me but he did not inform me that it was his own reports that had created all the trouble. On the contrary, he wrote to me, Instead of relieving you, I wish you, as soon as your new army is in the field, to assume immediate command and lead it to new victories. In consequence, I felt very grateful to him, and supposed it was his interposition that had set me right with the government. I never knew the truth until General Badeau unearthed the facts in his researches for his history of my campaigns. General Halleck unquestionably deemed General C. F. Smith a much fitter officer for the command of all the forces in the military district than I was, and to render him available for such command desired his promotion to antedate mine and those of the other division commanders. It is probable that the general opinion was that Smith's long service in the army and distinguished deeds rendered him the more proper person for such command. Indeed, I was rather inclined to this opinion myself at that time, and would have served as faithfully under Smith as he had done under me. But this did not justify the dispatches which General Halleck sent to Washington, or his subsequent concealment of them from me when pretending to explain the action of my superiors. 
on receipt of the order restoring me to command i proceeded to savannah on the tennessee to which point my troops had advanced general smith was delighted to see me and was unhesitating in his denunciation of the treatment i had received he was on a sick bed at the time from which he never came away alive his death was a severe loss to our western army his personal courage was unquestioned his judgment and professional acquirements were unsurpassed and he had the confidence of those he commanded as well as those over him end of section twenty three recording by jim clevenger little rock arkansas jim at j o c c l e v dot com